0: It's 1988, and I'm on spring break my sophomore year of college, and I have a plan. There is a popular Easter week pilgrimage in New Mexico near where my parents live, and I figured out that I can do part of it on my last day back. And I have craftily invited my mother to join me so that I can finally talk to her about some of the insights I've got after being away in college for a couple years. But now that Easter morning has rolled around, I'm realizing I should have put more thought into this whole scheme. For one thing, my mother has outfoxed me by convincing one of my middle sisters to come along at the last minute, Becky. Um, And it's so sudden that I can't object or drop the whole shebang without creating drama. So now there's three of us being dropped off about 10 miles from the church in Chamayo. And we're having to wait for a break in the long line of pilgrims. It's way more people than I was expecting. I thought that pretty much everybody tried to get this done on Holy Thursday or Good Friday, and that by Sunday we'd only have the stragglers. But there are a lot of stragglers, you know, like us, too, actually, now that I think about it. We get walking, and I quickly realized that our coats are going to be kind of insufficient. Uh, we're going to freeze. And our snacks are definitely going to in- be insufficient. We're going to starve. <laughs> and And on top of all that, there's all these people passing us. Like, they're praying and singing, and some of them are carrying large wooden crosses the whole time. And not that it's a competition or, like, a measure of our overall worth or anything, but still... I try to walk a little faster and think spiritual or philosophical thoughts, but Becky is lagging, talking more than walking, which is exactly what I had been afraid of and kind of typical for her. She has elucidated all of the plot lines of sixth-grade drama, which are so convoluted I lost track. She's now talking about all the tricks she can do on the monkey bars, which frankly aren't that many. Mostly she just falls off the things. but. Um, I'm trying to be spiritual, so I don't say that, which isn't entirely typical. Because of our age difference and family dynamics, I struggle between being her half-sister, half-mother, when to have forbearance, when to bop around the head, figuratively speaking, mostly. Becky moves on to talking about My Little Ponies, the pastel things with long-flowing manes, and then trolls, those creatures that look from even a little distance, like wrinkled horse dung with big eyes. Let me tell you, if you have not listened to endless yardage about uh, toy-tufted turds, you just don't know what you're missing. At this point, I can't even concentrate on the accidental Taoism of Winnie the Pooh. I try to focus on the variety in the landscape, but there really isn't any. It's the same as it was the mile before and the mile before that. The only thing that's really changing is the mileage markers, which are unbelievably far apart. I don't even notice at first when Becky's soliloquy stops. I don't know if she's tired or she's just has maybe actually run out of things to say. Kinda like my mother and I, apparently. And the silence of the remaining miles, it becomes the longest walk of my life measured not in actual distance, but emotional duration. It does finally stop. We get to the end, tiny adobe church impossibly long line. We wait and we wait and wait to get into the miracle well, which I don't know what I was imagining, but I wasn't imagining, I know for sure, a dirt hole about the size and depth of a dog bowl in a stone floor. And the moment we've all been trekking for is Grabbing our handful of dirt and then quickly moving out of the way so the next person can get their dirt. All around me are crucifixes and family pictures of loved ones and roses flowers, crutches on the walls. All this evidence of other people's successful spiritual journeys and of faith so deep that it merits doing essentially back-to-back marathons to get there and express it. But my day feels like it's been reduced to this handful of dirt. I don't even know what to do with it. I stuff it in my jacket pocket. I am empty and hungry and surly and definitely not enlightened. I'm looking around at the whole scene and I'm thinking that for me the main miracle is that the refilling of that dirt dog bowl 20 tons of dirt a year so everybody gets their fair share, or the fact that the hills around it don't erode from all those subtractions in a big muddy mess of dissolved, disappointed hopes and dreams. Although, you know, maybe I'm projecting. When I fly back to California the next day, I reflect that the best thing about that whole experience is that it's over. What I don't know, is that really my real pilgrimage is just beginning. What I don't know is that in a few days, things are gonna change so much that even decades later, I will wish that I could go back and relive that day. If I could, if I only could, I would go back and reach past my differences with Becky and listen more And also, hopefully at some point, I would remember to pass on the message I've been forgetting all week. The simple message that her piano lesson in a few days is canceled. If I'd done that, then Becky wouldn't be by the side of the road on Tuesday, returning from a lesson that never happened, in the wrong place at the wrong time. If I could go back then, this time, she wouldn't be there to be hit by the distracted teenage driver and she wouldn't need to be airlifted to Albuquerque and we wouldn't be told that even if she lives, she won't be the Becky we knew. This time I won't fly back to New Mexico on Thursday, reach into my jacket pocket and find that dirt. From a lifetime before, because this time Becky would live past 12 years old. I will always wish I could go back and change that day. But I also wonder what my life would have been like if I hadn't been hit by that meteor of grief and guilt. Would I have learned how to recognize others who've had to make mosaics out of the shards of their lives? Would I have recognized the poignancy and fragility of this Easter hunkered down watching my kids, my son, thirteen, and my daughter who's about to turn twelve decorating eggs? My memory of that Easter long ago is one long litany of things I wish I had done differently, but occasionally I can turn the lens around and see instead what an incredible day, an incredible last day to have with another person. Maybe Becky, in all of her natural ebulence and cheerfulness, saw it as a day when she finally got her eldest sister to herself when she finally got to say everything she ever wanted to say with no interruptions. I like to think so. I'm still hoping for the wisdom that I once thought was inevitable. But one thing I do know is that at least I have the company of other people whose pilgrimages in whatever form they've taken have gone horribly awry And I do know that we'll get through it together. Thanks for listening.